Hello and welcome to New Things Under the Sun. I'm Matt Clancy. We've got something new this week. This post is the first ever collaboration published on New Things Under the Sun. My co-author is Arnaud Dieva, a PhD student at the London School of Economics who's working on growth and the economic returns to publicly funded R&D. So going into this post, Arnaud knew this literature better than me and drew up an initial reading plan. We iterated on that for a while and jointly discovering important papers and eventually settled on this set of core papers, which we'll talk about in this podcast. And I think this turned out really great. And so I wanted to extend an invitation to the rest of you. If you want to co-author a post with me, uh, go to newthingsunderthesun.com slash collaborations to learn more about what I'm looking for and sort of how I'm thinking this might work. There's also a link in the podcast description. One last thing, I want to assure listeners that as in all of my posts and podcasts, I read all the papers that we talk about in detail uh, in the following podcast. There's no division of labor between co-authors on this topic because I actually view like part of my job is making connections between papers, and I think that works better if all the papers covered on this site are bouncing around in my brain rather than sort of being split across different people's heads. So what you're about to hear is not, you know, like, Arno's half and then my half and split back and forth. It's just sort of like all him and all me all the time. So without further ado, let's talk about the size of firms and the nature of innovation. We're used to thinking about income inequality between individuals, but inequality between firms is vastly larger. In the US, the richest 1% of individuals earned about 20% of all income in 2018. In contrast, the top 1% of US firms by sales earned about 80% of all sales in that year. The economy is populated by a few sort of just super firms and a multitude of small to medium-sized businesses. And this disparity is getting more extreme over time. There are some links to sort of all these facts in the newsletters, by the way, to sort of pointing you to literature about that. Anyway, does this huge disparity in firm size matter for innovation and technological progress? Do big firms differ in the type of R&D they do? And if so, why? Now, the academic literature about the empirical link between the size of firms and innovation is an old one, dating back to the 1960s at least. We don't have space here to do it full justice. Instead, in this post or podcast, we're going to focus on work using a variety of approaches to document that there are important differences in how innovation varies across firms of different sizes. In a follow-up podcast, which I'll also write with Arno, we'll examine some explanations for why there's this variation. And one quick point before we dig in, when economists talk about the size of firms, they typically refer to its total sales or more rarely its employment count. So defined in this way, firm size is often used as an imperfect as an imperfect proxy for the number of business units of a firm, like the number of product lines it has. So, first fact, firm size and R&D rise proportionally. The first important fact about firm heterogeneity and innovation is that corporate R&D expenditures scale up proportionally with their sales. In other words, when sales double, money spent on R&D tends to double too. This doesn't have to be the case. For example, it has been shown that other inputs in production, such as labor and capital, don't scale proportionally with firm sales. For example, labor scales less than proportionally and capital scales more than proportionally. And again, we have some links to stuff related to this in the uh, newsletter. So this proportional relationship has been shown time and again, at least for firms above a certain size who do at least some R&D. And to illustrate this point, 
Uh, Arnaud created a figure that shows the relationship between firm sales and R&D expenses among publicly traded firms who report doing some R&D. The data is from CompuStat, which is a database of publicly listed firms, and each uh, dot on this scatter plot represents 750 firm-by-year observations. And in the figure, which you can't see, we control for year and fine sector, the SIC4 sector, so that the variation that we're talking about is across firms within a year, within a sector. And it's important to control for sectors because sectors vary in how innovative they are, and they also sort of vary in their typical size of firms. So this is even comparing within the same sector, big firms to small firms. And the scatter plot, which you can't see, is like the kind of scatter plot I feel like you never see in economics. It's just all dots lined up on a straight line. And there is an extent to which that's because we're, each dot is like the average of 750 rather than showing the full spread. But still, it's this remarkably like consistent relationship. It's strikingly The slope is strikingly close to one on a log-log plot, meaning that the typical publicly listed firm increases its R&D expenditures by 10%, when its size increases by 10%. So this finding was first observed in like the 1960s, and it's been reproduced across a lot of studies since. We have another figure that we pulled from a seminal 1982 study by Bound, Cummins, Grilich's, Hall, and Jaffe, uh, where they do the same kind of thing. They plot R&D expenditures in a scatter plot for 2,600 manufacturing firms uh, as a, and compare it to the log of their sales. And this is in 1976 now. And you see basically the same cloud moving up into the right with a slope of about one. The one-to-one -one proportionality of R&D to sales could lead you to believe that the immense heterogeneity in firm sizes, where the top 1% gets 80% of the sales, well, it doesn't really matter for the aggregate level of innovation. After all, if R&D scales proportionally with firm size, then an economy consisting of 10 firms with $1 billion in sales each is going to spend as much on R&D as an economy consisting of a single firm that has $10 billion in sales. But as we'll see, this conclusion would actually be erroneous. Fact number two, larger firms tend to get fewer inventions per R&D dollar spent. And a variety of different lines of evidence show this. Let's start with patents. And we're going to talk a lot about non-patent evidence in a minute. The 1982 study by Bound, Cummins, Grilichkas, Hall, and Jaffe, which we mentioned earlier, found that firms with larger R&D programs get fewer patents per dollar of R&D. And we have a uh, figure that is pulled from their paper that shows kind of this exponential decay as you get larger you get fewer patents per dollar. In a more recent and more comprehensive exploration of this relationship, Exigit and Kerr, 2018, used the universe of firms in the US matched to patents to document that patents per employee also decreases exponentially as a function of the log of employment. And the relationship shown in these figures, which you can't see, are pretty similar. They look the same. They suggest that bigger firms are getting fewer patents per productive unit, whether that's employment or R&D dollar. Now, patents are not synonymous with invention, though. It could, for example, be that as firms grow larger, they create just as many inventions per R&D dollar, but they're just less likely to use patents to protect those inventions. But in fact, the opposite seems to be true. Mezzanotti and Simcoe, 2022, reports on the Business R&D and Innovation Survey, which was conducted between 2008 and 2015 by the U.S. Census Bureau and the National Science Foundation. 
This survey asked more than 40,000 U.S. firms from a nationally representative sample about their use of intellectual property. And they find larger firms are much more likely to rate patents as important. For example, 69% of firms with more than a billion dollars in annual sales rate patents as somewhat or very important, compared to just 24% of firms with an annual sales below $10 million. And this relationship also holds when you compare responses across firms belonging to the same sector in the same year, kind of as I emphasized in our initial figure that you can't see as a listener. In other words, if we had a perfect measure of innovation that is not affected by selection like patenting is, we would this would imply we'd find an even stronger negative relationship between firm size and patents per dollar or per R&D dollar or per employee. Small firms have more patents per employee or R&D dollar in spite of being less likely to file patents than big firms. Now, other empirical studies of innovation have relied on different measures of innovative output and have reached similar conclusions. In a creative 2006 study of the financial services industry, Josh Lerner uses news articles from the Wall Street Journal to identify new products and services introduced by financial institutions. For example, if a story about a new security or the first online banking platform is written in the Wall Street Journal, Lerner counts it as an innovation and attributes it to a bank in the CompuStat database. And consistent with papers using patent data, he finds that innovation intensity scales less than proportionally with firm size. And here note that Lerner measures the size of a firm as the log of taking the log of their assets rather than the log of their sales, because that's the nature of the banking industry, you know, which is what the focus of the study was. You can also look for the introduction of innovations in other places. In 1982, the U.S. Small Business Administration created a database of new products, processes, or services in 100 technology, engineering, or trade journals and linked these inventions to firms. And then they also have data on how big those firms are. And in a 1987 paper using this data, Axe and Audrech also found that larger firms have fewer innovations per employee and fewer innovations per dollar of sales than small firms. Although in that paper, they emphasize that this varies a lot by sector. There are some sectors where this is not true. There are some where it is true. On the whole, on average, it's true that larger firms produce less innovations per R&D dollar than small firms. Finally, Argente et al. 2023 used product scanner data in the consumer goods sector over 2006 to 2015 to obtain details on every product sold in a large sample of grocery, drug, and general merchandise stores, including the associated firm that markets the product. Here they identify innovation as the introduction of a new product. And there's a figure that shows a scatter plot, the number of or the rate at which new products are introduced. So the number of new products divided by the total number of products a firm sells. Uh, relative to the size of firms stacked from the smallest to the largest. And basically we have this nice decay. Bigger firms consistently introduce fewer new products relative to the number of products they already sell. Now, of course, not all new products are equally innovative. So to deal with this issue, Argente and co-authors use data on the attributes of each product. Since they know the price and the sales of each product, they can run statistical models to estimate a dollar value consumers put on different product attributes. They can then quality adjust new product introductions by the introduction of products that include new attributes, where attributes are given more weight if associated with higher prices or higher sales. As an example, maybe a product is some kind of Tylenol, 
and an attribute is if it's for children or adults, and they can see how valuable the introduction of children's Tylenol is uh, by basically how that affected the price or the sales for that product. This more sophisticated approach yields the same result as the sort of more naive approach. When you adjust for quality, you still find that larger firms are less innovative relative to their size than small firms. And incidentally, Argentine co-authors also use text similarity algorithms to link firm patents to consumer products, and they find larger firms tend to have more patents per consumer product, not less. And that's further evidence that the decline in patents per productive unit as firms grow larger probably reflects a decline in invention of new products, not merely less reliance on patents to protect products. Last fact Larger firms produce more incremental innovations. Finally, when large and established firms actually do innovation, resulting in observable products and services, it's more likely to be directed towards improving existing products rather than creating new ones. And a few pieces of evidence point to this. First, relying on another survey of firms, Exigit and Kerr 2018 find a strong negative association between firm size and the share of R&D dedicated to business areas where the firm has no existing revenues. That is, the bigger a firm is, the more it tries to improve its existing product lines. Patent evidence also points to larger firms engaging in more incremental innovation. For example, Exigit and Kerr 2018 also find that larger firms are more likely to cite their own patents, which is an indication that they're hewing close to the intellectual landscape they've previously explored. For example, among firms that filed just a single patent in 1995, 9% of citations to recent patents went to the firm's own previous patents. Among firms that filed two to five patents, that share rises from 9% to 17%. And among firms filing more than 100 patents in 1995, nearly a third of the citations those patents make to other recent patents went to the firm's own patents. Now, while bigger firms tend to cite their own work more often simply because their own patents occupy a larger share of the total citable material, Exigit and Kerr show that this effect isn't big enough to drive this result. Now, I think you have to be cautious leaning too heavily on patent citations. I've written about this before, and there's a link to an article about using patent citations as a signal of knowledge flows. Um, I think one thing to be wary of is when citation data comes from after the year 2000, which is when there starts to be a decline in the quality of these uh, signals. And this is a study that comes from before that. This is 1995 data. But anyway, set that aside. Argente et al. 2023 obtained similar results using a different approach, at least for the consumer product sector that they've got data on. Rather than look at the extent to which a firm cites its own patents, they look at how similar or different is the text of a patent to the text of the firm's prior patents. If a firm's patents uses a lot of the same language as its earlier patents, that's another signal that its innovation is more incremental and less radical. And by this measure, they find larger firms are less likely to have novel patents. Lastly, Argentian co-authors can also use their data on actual products sold to go beyond patents. If we re-inspect some of that earlier data, uh, where we talked about plotting the rate of new product introductions versus quality adjusting it versus the size of firms, that shows us further evidence that large firms introduce more incremental innovations. The rate of new products falls by roughly 50% when you go from the smallest to the largest firms in their data set, 
but the rate of quality adjusted new products falls by more than 80% when you go over that range, indicating that new products are less likely to introduce new valuable product attributes among larger firms. So taken together, we have something of a puzzle. It appears that larger firms get fewer innovations per dollar of R&D, and that those innovations tend to be more incremental and less impactful. That isn't necessarily a problem, and I want to caution against leaping to conclusions based on this descriptive correlational data that we've talked about in this post. Still, together these three facts represent kind of a puzzle. Given the apparent decline in the productivity of their R&D, why do large firms keep investing in R&D at the same rate as small firms? And we'll look at some theories about why that is in a follow-up post and podcast. Thanks for listening. And now it's time for the standard end of the episode boilerplate. You've been listening to a podcast from New Things Under the Sun, a living literature review with the mission of communicating what academia knows about innovation and accessible but rigorous research syntheses. New Things Under the Sun is a living literature review, which means I go back and update these research syntheses as new research is published or I discover it. The podcast you listen to is taken from the first published version of one of these syntheses. To see if there's been any updates about the claims made in this podcast, or to learn more about this project, head to newthingsunderthesun.com.